Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. It's a beautiful day here in Israel. It is May 22nd, and our swimming pool is going to be opening in two days, and everything is just rushing, rushing, rushing here in Israel. Um, The kids have another month or so of school, and we are, you know, gearing up for summer. Um, What can I tell you that happened this week? Something very weird happened. The U.S. Embassy had an open day for renewing children's passports because the dates and the appointments have not been existent for the past two years. And all of my children have American passports, but they have all expired. So I know I'm not alone. There are lots of us, lots of us, thousands of us. And they did this open day. And I could just imagine, okay, how horrible it would be. I thought it would be like a rock concert and people would be camping out the night before. Unfortunately, the night before was Lagba Omer. Lagba Omer is like the biggest night in Israel, okay? Kids do not go to sleep. They are out by those fires until 6 or 7 in the morning. And I am on patrol as well. So what I did was I went at 4 in the morning. I did my patrol. I grabbed my kid. I put him in the car at 5, 5.30. Three of my kids were in the car. We went to Jerusalem. We got there at 6.30. We were 10th in line. There were people already in line at 6.30. And we waited till the doors opened and um, it opened at the, the doors opened at quarter to eight. And it was just a very hot, horrible wait. We got in there very quickly, but I just, you know, when you walk outside and you see all the hundreds of people waiting with their babies, old people, young people, and they had warned and they had said this, the, the U S embassy, they said, we will have no shade, no bathrooms, no water. You could be waiting up to six hours. And the thought of that just made me like panic. And the whole thing was horrible, even though we got in and out pretty quickly. It was just horrible to see and horrible to see the way that people were being treated. And I I don't wish it on anyone. I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, we're just not going to fly. You know, my mom will fly here. Hopefully my siblings will fly here. But three of my kids don't have passports. And uh, I mean, like, you know, American valid passports. And It's a little upsetting the way they handle it. Anyway, we'll be right back. Stay with us after these messages. Don't go away. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Joining us today is a woman who I recently met who's in Great Britain. She is 43 years old, 
and is planning her Aliyah now. She opened her file with Nefesh Benefesh and I believe the Aliyah office just um, two weeks ago, last week, very recently. And she is going to come on her own. And she's been here before, but has gone through a whole life transformation. Um, very interesting. It's extremely, you know, nice woman, secular Jew. And uh, her family's kind of against this whole thing. So she'll tell us all about it. And it should be a very inspiring interview. Hannah, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hi. Wonderful, wonderful. I hope I got some of those facts correct. But, you know, Most, jump in. Pretty much, yeah, most of them. So um, just on my background. So my my background is, is about as mixed up as you can possibly get. Um, my father is not Jewish. Um, I have Jewish heritage through my maternal grandmother's line. Um, but she was from a very rural village in Hungary, had a pretty tough time in the war. And although she was never in the camps, thank God, um, had a hard enough time that, you know, it, it was something she pretty much left behind, but anyway came from a very assimilated family. Um, actually ended up staying with Raoul Wallenberg, um, which is kind of the Swedish version of Oscar Schindler. Um, there's actually a street named after him in Jerusalem, I discovered, which is really cool. Um, and then eventually came to England as a refugee. Um, and from what I understand, couldn't get rights to stay because at that time they were starting to limit the number of refugees from Eastern Europe into the UK. I had to leave my mom in a nursing home for four years, uh, in, not in, a, in a children's home, sorry, for four years, and then eventually settled and, and married an English guy. And I was raised pretty much not knowing or really understanding any of this until I was really an adult. Um, I remember her telling me, like, singing me bits of, of stuff in this weird language, which I later found out to be Hebrew, which I later found out to be part, um, parts of the Shabbat service. Um, and I really didn't know anything else about it. But I was always, always drawn to Judaism. So e even from when I was a kid, um, I was always had this kind of pull towards it. Um, mm -hmm. Is this making sense so far? If I'm it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. But I have a couple questions. Like sure. You so you were raised. You're a little girl, and you're going through your life. Like, are you going through your life as as a non-Jew, or are you going through as, your life as like yeah, as a non-Jew? I was raised Christian. I was sent to, sent to you know the standard kind of. Christian Protestant schools here did all of the usual stuff that we do in England, sang hymns. Um, my mum was actually, I think, raised Catholic in the end. I went to church, um, but always just had this big pull towards spirituality um, and especially anything to do with Judaism. I was, uh, and I could never explain it. I just thought I was the really weird kid in the family. So basically. That's okay. That's, that's fine. But how were you exposed to it? I mean, if you're a normal, you know, um, Anglo, you know, British little girl and you're going to your Christmas dances and you're singing your Christmas carols and whatever you guys do out there. What and how would you even interact with a Jew or, or see a Jew or know anything about Judaism? Uh, so I I did what I, I've pretty much done my whole life, and, and I kind of ignored everything my parents told me or tried to tell me, and I, I just did my own thing, and I really fought for it. Um, I remember there was a Jewish teacher in high school, and I would just bombard him with questions about the Bible and, you know, <laughs> what was it like in Israel 2,000 years ago? And I had no idea why I was coming out with all of these questions. And I remember watching 
Fiddler on the Roof, I think, when I was about 10 years old, you know, the whole original musical film. And I remember watching them light Shabbat candles, and I was completely spellbound. I was absolutely mesmerized by it, and I had no idea why, but I just had this intense desire to copy it. And I would go home and, and try and find candles or tea lights or whatever I could get my hands on and, and, and light candles. And, you know, and then I'd go to the library and read books. I mean, it was just like this. And I had no idea why I was doing it. I literally, I just thought I was the really weird kid in my family who, for some reason, just wanted to hang out in churches and read the Bible. And I'd rather read the Bible than a, a storybook and that type of thing. So... I, I just literally bit by bit, like the same way that I learned Hebrew and everything else in my life, I did it bit by bit, step by step, uh-huh. and and eventually ended up going to a reform synagogue and converting. All right, so let, let's go just go back a little bit. Did you have anybody with you? Did you have any friends? Did you speak to anyone about this? I mean, you couldn't have done all this by yourself. Oh, <laughs> I pretty much did this all by myself, yeah. I was, um, I, I guess you can call it some Hungarian stubbornness. Um, I, I was, like I said, I was one of those weird kids that was, you know, hanging out and reading the Bible on their break times rather than hanging out with friends. I, I just had this crazy uh-huh. kind of pull towards it. So, yeah, uh-huh. I pretty much did it all on my own. Where I live in, um, the UK is just outside of West London, near Heathrow Airport. Um, the nearest Jewish community is about an hour and a half away on train in, in a place called Golders Green. So, it wasn't like there was, you know, Jewish people with yarmulkes and synagogues on every single street corner walking around. I literally did it all by myself. That's right. You were not, you were not in a Jewish community at all. Not in, not any, not even anywhere near a Jewish community mm-hmm. until I was eighteen. I wasn't allowed to go to London by myself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it just again, just just the weird kid in the family who <laughs> you know would rather be going to a church and you know reading the Bible and doing all of this stuff than watching movies and and hanging out with friends. I just okay, had this. okay. <laughs> so you're eighteen years old, and what happened? Did you leave home? Did you did you go to the university and and meet Jewish people? Did that happen? No, not at all. Um, I eventually ended up, um, I I read more and more about it. And by that time, you know, obviously I had access to the internet and stuff like that. And by that time, I ended up deciding that I wanted to convert. Um, Again, didn't really understand that I was Jewish, didn't even think to mention it to the rabbi. Um, When I went for the conversion, I, I just thought Jewish people were, you know, one Jewish parent, two Jewish parents in an Ashkenazi home type of thing, that type of setup. So it didn't even occur to me. So um, no, eventually I ended up um, doing an Orthodox conversion, no, no, sorry, a reform conversion when I was about uh, 21, 22 years old, um, ended up um, going to synagogue um, and um, helping out with the, with the, with the religious school there with like teaching little kids and stuff, just helping out. Mm. Um, and then kind of, it was a weird thing. I, I think I remember some one day at some point someone made a comment about how the place was full of not proper Jews. And I always was kind of questioning about my background and I couldn't get any information out from my family who were really not at all happy that I'd, you know, I was hanging out in a synagogue and not a church type of thing. And eventually just kind of ended up falling out of it just because I really didn't feel like there was a place for me in the Jewish world. I wanted to be Jewish, but then I kept reading about how reform conversions weren't accepted by orthodoxy. And I never really felt like I was a proper Jew. And then I thought this is just impossible. And I ended up just falling out of it for, for the better part of 10 years. Okay. Um, did, did the rabbi 
ask you? Like, who are your parents? Yeah, I mean, the, ra- the rabbi asked, but this, this, is a reform, this is a reform synagogue, so it's not kind of as, as intense as, you know, the kind of questioning that I guess you might get in, a, in an Orthodox synagogue. I mean, I said, look, you know, my, my grandmother came from Hungary, and, you know, I think she might be Jewish and, and things like that. And, and that was kind of as far as it went. And, you know, you went, you had an interview, you know, you convinced them that you were a nice person who was genuine, and you did a one-year course of study, and, and that was it. You, you got your conversion certificate. There, there wasn't a whole lot of depth to it in terms of, you know, trying to find out if you were already Jewish or anything like that. What an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, it's just ridiculous. So you went through all yeah. that for nothing. Stupid. I mean, it's it's probably not for nothing because I am having immense trouble getting paperwork from my family. I mean, I probably never will get the paperwork. My grandmother came from a, a tiny village in the middle of nowhere. Goodness knows how long it's been since both sets of grandparents on that side were Jewish. You know, at least another yeah. two or three generations behind that, sure. probably. Sure. So, yeah. you know, I I I have nothing. So it turns out that this reform sin of um, conversion um, is the thing that's going to get me into Israel, and from Israel, then I can do an Orthodox conversion, and then there's never any question ever again. Yeah, um, I don't even think you're going to need to do status. that. But okay, that's yeah, that's weird. But that's amazing that you're coming here. So you told me you were looking on Facebook and you saw uh, a post from a from a, like an advocate, and, and and that's what got you to to want to come to Israel. Now we're down to two minutes, so you know say what you can, and if we need to just keep you on the air, we'll we'll do that after the break. But I know you no, have plans to come, you know, and and you're like you have your paperwork going, and, and it could be just a matter of months. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, please God, yeah. So basically what happened was is I ended up in the Hare Krishna cult in London um, for the better part of 10 years. And it never really felt quite right. Like I always had this kind of tang of guilt every time I, I walked into the temple or anything like that. Like it was something I kind of knew I shouldn't be doing, but again, didn't think there was really any other place for me. And then um, I was having these crazy dreams about the Kotel and I'm not a spooky person, but it, it got to the point where I was looking on Facebook for, you know, like Kotel videos and things like that. So the West, you know, the Wailing Wall videos. And I came across um, this guy called Ben, um, from an organization called Unity Warriors, who did this incredible live video from the from the wall in Jerusalem, and I watched it, and I just cried my eyes out. I think for the whole forty five minutes, it was just something really just got to me about it, and so I ended up following him a few times. I, I you know, I. I commented on his posts and he was doing these really amazing posts about Israel, about helping soldiers, about connecting to Torah, all of this stuff. And the more I read, the more it just kind of spoke to me. And then I ended up um, becoming a monthly donor to his organization. And then we kind of connected off Facebook. And really, he's a huge, huge part of the reason why I'm at where I'm at today. And he's kind of shown me that there is a place for me in the Jewish world that, you know, okay. it's okay if you don't come Amazing. to this perfect Stay with us. Stay with us. We have, to, we have to take a break. Stay with us. We'll no problem.
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We're going to finish up our talk with Hana. We do have another guest, but she uh, has some more to tell us. And um, it's my fault. I, I, I let her go on. But it's really a fascinating story when you get one of these, you know, individuals who have such a, uh, a, a different background. And it's, it's very inspiring. Hana, I want to ask you a couple questions. You, you told me that you recently um, opened a file with Nefesh Benefesh. Is that right? Uh, it's actually the here in the UK, Nefesh Benefesh is not active, so it's um, actually a Jewish agency. And yes, I literally just did it last week. I've just finished collecting all my paperwork. Just need to get it stamped and then I can upload it. Wonderful. All right. So what is your timeline and, and what are your plans? Um, really just to get to, to Israel. Um, I want to live as close. I love the old city. I went to the old city for the first time over Pesach and I'm just completely in love with it. So I would love to live in that area or around Ifrat or somewhere like that. Um, as far as what my plans are right now, I, um, help to teach, uh, special needs children in the UK. Um, so kids with autism and, and disabilities and that type of stuff. Um, I taught myself to read and write Hebrew and speak Hebrew as well, pretty much from the TV and from prayer books and stuff. Um, so I would love to live in the Jerusalem area to do something to really contribute to Israeli society. Like I really want to help, um, our people. Um, so whether it's teaching in school, even if I have to work in a coffee shop, you know, at least that way my taxes will go to Israel and, and not to the UK. Um, it just I'll just be happy to be in Israel. If I end up spending the rest of my life cleaning floors, I'll, I'll be blessed because I'll be in Israel. So oh, well, whatever I can do. But I was... <sighs> very nice. This is this is what I like to hear. Um, you know, you you don't have you don't seem to have any fear. I'm not afraid. I've been to Israel, and it's like I I, I was waiting the whole time to freak out that you know this is a, a country that I've never been to that I don't know the people. I only know the language from the TV. But you know what? There's there's something in Israel, and there's something incredibly special about the people there. That just the second you land, and I don't care how religious you are or how not religious you are, you know your home because there's a way that people are with each other and with you. And I'm like, because of that, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to go without family. I'm not afraid to go and start a whole new life. I'm not afraid to quit what I'm doing here. Because I know in Israel, I'll be home and I'll have a family because of the way that the people are. It's just such a special thing. And it's like nothing I've ever encountered before in my entire life. It's just the most incredible feeling. And I was there, I think, two days before I decided that's it. I want to go. So, Wow. That is awesome. And it's 100% true. And all of you listening, 
um, who grew up in Jewish communities and who grew up coming to Israel every year. Listen to this woman. She didn't grow up with any of that, none of that Jewish background, none of that Jewish knowledge or security. And she's picking herself up and coming here. And she says she already feels home. I love that. It's so it's 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 beautiful to hear. And um, the fact that you've already been here and you experienced it, you actually know it's true. And, um, you know, thank you for, for sharing your story and for coming on the show. And you're a very brave woman, but you're right. There is something special here. There is. And, um, you know, I'm excited for you to come. And I, I hear you and your passion. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I can't wait. I can't wipe the smile off my face when I hear you speak. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on air. Thank you so much for, for thinking that my story is something that, you know, people will want to share. And really, if any Jewish person, you know, out there listening, please, it's the most beautiful, incredible place on earth. There is no other place like it. And once you're there, you're home. And right. every single Jew, I hope, will, will come home and experience what it's like. It, it, it's truly something straight from Hashem. And I can't wait to come home. And, and please, God, never, ever leave again. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Hannah. Best of luck. Ma'aslacha. And Tadalaba. soon, you know, you'll be here, and, uh, and we'll see you over here. Please go soon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so now we are um, going to speak to um, another guest who's going to be coming on the line. His name is Ezra Starr. He is a total different story, total... Uh, opposite. He was from America, from Silver Spring, Maryland, moved to Israel in 2009 with his family and lived, I believe, the first year in Beit Shemesh. And since then has moved to Afrat, which, as you know, is filled with foreigners, English-speaking foreigners. Afrat, Beit Shemesh, both of those places, very popular, very easy place to live if you are an English speaker from abroad. And um, Ezra actually has a son learning here in Susia. We have a Hezda Yeshiva, and his son is learning here, so he knows all about Susia. And um, he's a really nice guy recently met. I hope he's coming on the line soon. Uh, Ezra, are you there? Oh, great. Welcome. Thank you for coming. My pleasure. Wonderful. Okay, so I just gave a little background, just really, like a little bit that you came here in 2009 from Silver Spring, Maryland, your first year in Beit Shemesh, now you're in Efrat. Tell us a little bit about your Aliyah story, the, the hard and the easy. Let, let us have both of it, if you can remember. You know, it's been a while. It's been, yeah. I guess, 14 years, um, right? The, the, <laughs> take you back to that place. Um, we, my wife, both my wife and I had grown up in, in, uh, in Camp Mosheva and it's a B'nai Kiva camp and where we still, we still work there now. Um, and for both of us, uh, living in Israel was a goal and a dream and probably for both of us, I don't want to fully speak for her. Uh, it was, it was something that we felt like we couldn't necessarily do on our own. Uh, so, you know, we had to sort of find that partner <laughs> that, that was interested in doing that. Um, so, so, you know, we were married and, uh, living in America and, you know, and that time seems right. And, uh, we came and we had, uh, uh, our oldest son was going into first grade, who you mentioned. And, I mean, now he's, <laughs> now he's graduated high school. And, uh, and then we had a three-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, and, um, I guess 
we felt like the first year was everything was it was good and okay because we we didn't have the highest of expectations um and we expected it, there to be significant challenges and and there were but but it was also like we were geared up and we were ready ready for it um and we discovered that there's this whole wonderful community uh of people that some that we knew and some that we met living in Israel uh that had sort of gone through the same thing and were there to support people um in you know in you know in in our position and mm-hmm. and uh, guide us along the way all right so that you're talking about like the people you found here in Israel when you got here you fit in yeah, well, the, the, some people were what, some people we knew before from uh, you know that that we either grew up with or worked with in in uh, in Camp Moshava. Uh and others they were people that we met you know when when you know when, once we once we were here. Um, okay, so you got here, you had an easy landing. You're saying you had an easy first year, right? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Are you t- what are you saying? Are you saying you had an easy first year? Is that is that what you're telling me? We had a, we had a. It was a, it was a fine first year. Everything, everything worked fine. Okay, so, so what are you leading up to? <laughs> Ezra. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so go on. What so what happened next? I mean, if the first uh, so year was we easy, were we what, were what in uh, Beit Shemesh for for our first year. Uh, we found the community to be, to be nice and 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 welcoming, um, and uh, and and it was a, it was a, it was a good first year. Um, but when we were but at that point we, we were hoping and looking to to actually uh, buy, um, and felt like. Uh, that you know, for a more permanent community where we were gonna, you know, now stay and live, uh, that Efrat or the specifically the Zion neighborhood in Efrat made a little bit more sense. Uh, so then, after you know about ten months in Israel, we bought here in 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 Efrat um, and and moved again. That was <laughs> that was a little bit complicated um, to move, you know, two times in in a short span and you know, just sort of overwhelming. Um, and uh, and when we came to the Zion, it, it, it was. You know, everything was it, it. It made sense. I mean, that was the the move that we sort of anticipated, and 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 it worked for us. But I, you know, it seemed like you know, we, we that the second year we 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 sort of joked was harder than the first year, maybe because we we didn't have such expectations the first year. We expected everything to be hard. And the second year, when we were like, okay, I think we got this, things were still hard, and uh, you know that that was you know sort of threw us a little bit. Okay, that's, uh, now you're not telling me anything, you know, you're saying hard. What's hard? What was hard? Well, uh, well the, 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 um, one was just getting the, the, getting used to the language, getting used to, um, the cultural, like how things are done and, and also just, you know, being able to figure out how to navigate day-to-day life. Um, we found some challenges, uh, you know, as, as, uh, you know, our children were adjusting to the Israeli school system. Both my wife and I were teachers in, in America, and that was, and so we sort of understood the American uh, Jewish day school educational system and, and how to navigate it. Um, and, and uh, we, you know, so being in Israel was something different. It's significantly different. It's, you know, sort of the difference between public and private school. Um, and, you know, we knew everything about private school, but not very little about public school. Um, ah, so this is like okay. I didn't know that. So you guys are coming from like this bubble of yeah, um, uh, uh, <laughs> definitely. And uh, and uh, so so when so when when 
different children had their specific educational needs that 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 was something that we had to you know learn how to to navigate, learn how to advocate. You know, something as, as simple, and, and for people living in Israel, it seems silly, and for people in America, it's probably the opposite, um, is in America, when you have an yeah. issue... Ezra, i got to stop you. Save, save your thought. We're going we're gonna to continue when we come back. We have, we have a break. We're going to continue, sure. okay? You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We are continuing our talk with Ezra Starr, who was just telling us, finally, that things got a little tough here, and he explained why. Now, that is um, the education and and children, and when they come to Israel from an American private school system, this is something we have heard before, and um, just not the detail. Now, when you say it was hard for you and you had to, like, learn how to advocate. You're living in a community with lots of olim from English-speaking countries, so I'm a little bit surprised that you would have to be an advocate. You know, aren't things kind of easy and already set up for incoming olim, Ezra? Yeah, they are, 100%, but, but obviously each child is is different in each you know and they bring their own educational needs um and 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 uh and sometimes challenges um so it's it, it was it wasn't necessarily advocating for them as olim but it was advocating them because they had specific educational needs um and um and it, I, I think i'm saying in, in america the assumption that you know that we sort of were used to was you would go to the the principal and you would or you would and you would you would sit down and you try to figure it out and and that's not how is the israeli school system is like sort of built and you have to learn to go to the mechanech you go to the, the teacher that's the sort of the central uh uh point for 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 everything vis-a-vis education um and and it's a learning process and and you know so and it's also difficult when you and 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 I would even say frustrating when you have the background and experiences educationally, and you sort of know what you think should happen, uh, but now you have to do it in a language you're not comfortable with, a culture that that doesn't necessarily you know react and look to things the same way. And I would say, and 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 uh, that there's no judgment there. It's you know a lot of times that is it's it's just different you know the israeli school system is de- or school in particular is set up just a different way than in america so it's a part, it's just about learning you know what what the expectations are and who the the right people to speak to um and and i and i mean 
going backwards at drop, I, I did, I spent, I was a teacher in America, and I spent some time teaching in the, um, you know, the American uh, semi, uh, gap year scene, um, but that, you know, that, it, it was hard to stay in that, in that, that world, so I ended up teaching in English in an Israeli school for a few years also. So I, I saw firsthand the differences in the in the schooling, um, and I felt like I, I, even then I, I was I was always learning and trying to understand, um, you know. And, and Israelis they don't necessarily realize because for them this is normal, and they don't they don't realize that even though it's it, it, that differences make a difference. Uh, so okay. It's about, okay. Now you say okay. So you're saying a lot of things, but you're not telling us what is different. And I think I know because I've stuck my face in my kids classrooms over these past 17 years and um there are certain things that i am horrified by um right. one like there's no nurse in the school i find that horrible that, that's now, we live in, <laughs> right we live is that true in all schools in israel uh in all schools that i've seen i but yeah natalie i have a good example and and is i i was teaching in an elementary school in america and in this school and i, mean, I think this is pretty common so uh, that you know the when it was time for let's say recess or it's time for lunch the each class would line up with the teacher in front and they would walk in a single file line together as a group for to the lunchroom or to an assembly or to wherever or recess the same thing they would you know bring them outside and they would go play and then they line up and walk back to the class that's how it functions in america that's what kids are used to that's what teachers are used to that's what the parents walking the hallways are used to in israel that's not what happens. Uh, the 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 sheer ends, and it's and now there's a ten minute break or there's a fifteen whatever amount of break, and the teacher now goes to the teacher room, and maybe there 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 are teachers who are like responsible to keep an eye on things, but it's not necessarily the teacher of that class, and everybody just goes so kids can stay in the classroom. Kids can be in the hallway. Kids can be outside. They go where they want. And this is even starting in first grade. So it's just a very, very different atmosphere, um, whereas in America, no kid would be allowed to stay in the classroom and no kid would be allowed to hang around the hall. They all would have to be you know, either outside or in the lunchroom or in the assembly. So that's a very, very different culture. So a kid is experiencing that, and a teacher themselves, myself, is experiencing it. Um, you know, when we would walk through a class at school, you know, in the beginning, we, my wife and I would just be, not horrified, that's the wrong word, but like just surprised <laughs> at where you kids are. You know it's the right, first of all, come on, it is the right word. It is horrifying to see when you are, there are so few adults, and there are so many kids. That's the, that's the scary thing. You get right. one bad kid, and those kids are going to follow that bad kid because they're outnumbered. I mean, the, the adults are t- completely outnumbered. That's one thing. Well, Another thing wait. is the, the, the adults, there just aren't enough of them. I mean, like you just wait. said, they're either in the teacher's lounge or they're, like, on their phone. I mean, to be honest, they're on their phones you know, or they're talking to each other. They're not even watching those kids. That's what I see. Right. Just be honest and tell us all. That's I, I, I mean, I could tell you a, a story, and I, I mean, I guess you. <laughs> there's a lot of good things I could I could share also, but but when when we were before we made Aliyah, we came on, came on a pilot trip, and we were visiting a school, and it doesn't matter where, when, and how, and we were in sort of waiting in the I guess the lobby area or whatever uh, for the for the principal who was going to you know introduce us to the school and and present and tell us about it, and we were waiting probably about five minutes and 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 it happened to be Hafsa Kaf started and we see you know 
about, I don't know, five kids swinging, you know, another kid. We, I'm not sure if, if, who, you know, what, what exactly has happened. And my wife and I looked at each other like, should we step in? <laughs> like, there was no adult to be seen. We were just two random visitors, but should we step in and stop this, you know, situation from happening? So it, 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 was, it was certainly jarring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what happens here, all you listeners. Uh, when you come to Israel, yeah, your, your children grow up very fast. Um, and that's a very good, um, a good, a good way of looking at it. <laughs> I mean, how else are you going to look at it? They, the, the schools here are just unbelievable. They, yeah, they, they let them go wild. Um, but, but, and, and I, and I, and I, and I don't, you know, I'm, I certainly haven't, uh, you know, sugarcoated anything. There are definitely positives from that, that come from that system. I saw uh, that firsthand in terms of, 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 uh, the, the, um, the, the, um, kids feeling about like connected to their class and to their group and, and, and to their, to them as a unit, there's a positives of, of giving kids a little more independence because sometimes they don't need to be, you know, totally watched, you know, hovered over because with it, some independence also comes confidence and become, comes, uh, you know, an ability to That's make right. good decisions. Sometimes it's That's not, right. but, but, but there, there, there definitely are also positives. It's just, yeah. oh yeah, different. it's different. It's, it's different. And at first it is jarring. And in my opinion, it is horrifying, but our children are independent and they are strong and they are not babied. They are, they are going out into the world. My kids, your kids, they become teenagers. Um, they take buses on their own. They get jobs on their own. They can handle things. They can handle problems. And um, they're, they're strong. And that's, you know, that's what comes from that. And I, I... Yeah, and, and, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, what did I say, 12 years in. And most of the time, not always, but most of the time, if uh, one of my children say, I'm having this issue or that issue in school or whatever, my first, before I jump to do anything, my first answer is, have you spoken to your your teacher, your, the main teacher, have, the machanech, have you, have you, have you discussed this issue with them? Before I have to call, before I send a WhatsApp, before I get involved, have you done that? And 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 in many cases, you know, first of all, hopefully their answer will be yes. But in many cases, when that happens, the, the problem can be solved. It doesn't. It doesn't necessitate that parents get involved. I I feel like you know, in America, nothing happens until the parents get involved. In Israel, you. you you say to the kid, you cancel it, deal with it, and and then and then I can get involved after. But I need you to try first. Interesting. That's uh, that's you as an American. Um, I don't know what is Amer- I don't know what Israeli parents are like. And and you know what? It's not right to even generalize about Israeli parents because I go to these parent-teacher conferences and I see lots of different uh, Israeli parents. I hear some parents complaining about little things that I don't think are a big deal at all. I see parents on these WhatsApp groups asking stupid questions. And I'm just like, what is wrong with these people? You know, some of these mothers, it seems like they have nothing to do. Um, you get Agreed. the same kind of <laughs> helicopter parents in Israel that you have in the States. It's just that the classroom and the standards and the expectations here are so different. Um, you know, I expect a school nurse. I expect a nurse. And you know, if my kid is sick, you don't send him home. You send him to the nurse, but they don't have that nurse. You know, so that I, I find, you know, baffling. Right. I mean, I see Hatsala everywhere I turn. Every every other kid is a medic by the time they're 15, but you don't have a nurse in the school? It's ridiculous. 
Um, right. But, you know, I think that I think the principal is the medic, and the office has band aids. I mean, it's just <laughs> and, the, and the way they let them run around. That's another thing. Like they have like no sense of safety. You're telling me you saw yeah. kids throwing and, each other? Also, sure, they and, do. And, and, my 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 daughter now is is in is in uh, Plymia and uh, at dorm school, um, and and she it's not like you know boarding school where she's gone. She comes home. It's what's it called? Plymia. She comes home. Well, you know, every Tuesday, every Thursday. But a couple times this year, she wasn't feeling well or or got sick, and and I was like, I just need somebody. I need an adult. <laughs> and this is basically what you're saying. I need an adult to look at her. And take her temperature and like assess the situation and tell me, is she sick, you know, and I need to pick her up or is she sick because she needs to just rest for a little bit and, and, you know, and we'll be better tomorrow and everything's fine, you know, like, and, and it, that didn't exist. Like you, you say, school nurse, and that's exactly like you know. We're like, out of time, think, Ezra. You're absolutely right. We could talk about this forever. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you all for okay. listening. Thank you. And have a great week. Awesome. See you later. Bye bye. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.